Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you might be listening to this podcast around the world, welcome to In Transition, the program that examines the practice of content marketing in government. My name's David Pembroke. This is episode 11, and it will be a cracker. I've promised you the biggest names and the best minds in content marketing from around the world, and today we deliver again. Jason Miller, the Senior Manager for Content Marketing at LinkedIn, is our guest. That's right, Jason Miller. And if any of you don't know Jason or haven't seen him speak, prepare to be entertained. Many of you will know that I pack up the caravan each September and fly to Cleveland to attend Content Marketing World, the annual jamboree for content marketers. And as soon as the speaking schedule for that big event comes out, I always mark Jason's presentation because not only is it informative, not only do you take away a number of practical steps, but you're also guaranteed plenty of laughs. By the way, Everyone, just as a bit of advice, if you are looking to learn more about content marketing and to get to know the people in our community, you really should head to Cleveland in September. The dates of the event, it starts around the 7th of September, and it is a must-not-miss event. So enough of the plugs for Joe Polizzi and the team at CMO, and let's get on with the show. And as is our practice each week, we do start with a definition of content marketing in government, and it is an adaption of the Content Marketing Institute's definition. So content marketing is a strategic and measurable business process that relies on the curation, creation, and distribution of valuable, relevant, and consistent content to engage and inform a clearly defined audience with the objective of driving the desired citizen or stakeholder action. So as you can see, this is directly applicable to the work of people who are working in government communication. And as the world changes, there is no question that we must adapt and change the way we connect with citizens. Now, our guest, as I promised, is Jason Miller. He joins me on the line. Jason, welcome to In Transition. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me, David. I'm happy to be here. Hey, Jason, just... um for the audience to get to know you a little bit, just give us a bit of the backstory of Jason Miller. Sure. So I started, uh, it's interesting how I got to where I'm at today. I started in the world of, I worked at Sony Music Entertainment um, uh, doing artist development. So we'd take little baby bands and make them into uh, superstars. But, you know, it, it, it worked here and there. <laughs> Not all the time, of course. Um, so I, I have a background in B2C. And then I, um, you know, when the music industry was kind of in shambles around 2009, I, I decided it was time for me to get out. Uh, they were just very behind in a lot of tactics, <laughs> and they were kind of fighting digital for a very long time. So I decided to uh, move into the world of tech marketing, kind of reinvent myself a little bit. Spent two years at uh, Marketo, running global content and social there, and then LinkedIn called and told me about this uh, this push they were doing for content, and uh, it made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I've been here almost two years now, and uh, never been happier. And so in terms of the changes that you've seen just probably in the last couple of years, and, it, and we can get to talking specifically about what LinkedIn are doing in their content marketing space, but what are the big changes that you're seeing at the moment in content marketing? Uh, the biggest change that I'm seeing 
is it used to be it used to be just you know just produce a bunch of content put it out there and see what sticks right it's sort of you know that's how the record labels were were dealing with artists back in the 90s and it it ended up to be a disaster they would just sign all these bands and throw them to the wall and whatever stuck they would ride along with and and i think content marketing was kind of getting to that as well like you had to in order to rank in order to make a difference you had to create a ton of content well i think the big shift now is is to create and i always say create you know focus on creating not more content but more relevant content um, and I mean, cutting to the real core of, of what's important with your customers and prospects. Anne Hanley from uh, from Marketing Prof says it great. You know, empathize to empathize with your customers. It, you know, your job as a content marketer is to is to be the best answer. It's the search engine's job to deliver the most relevant answer uh, to a, um, to a search topic's question, right? And your job as a content marketer is to be that best answer uh, and be better than anybody else, and and not a lot of fluff. And you don't. Again, I think. You know, the content, the search engines have have killed off these content farms um, because they were they were keyword stuffed and they were diluting the the good results, right? So uh, you don't have to create a, a fifty blogs a day to to make a difference. Now you just need to create something that's very relevant and very specific to your audience, and then um, you know, and then go go promote it. So. In terms of, and we'll get to that question of distribution as well, because I think that is very important, but just to, what advice do you have for people in terms of them trying to achieve content that is the best answer? What are, what are some of the techniques that you use to be able to find that insight that allows them to create the content that's going to connect with their, their particular audience? That's a great question. Uh, and I, I think you know, in this day and age, with all the data that's available to to uh, to me as a marketer, right? The question of whether or not I should create a piece of content is is clearly out there, right? Through some some light keyword research, discovering the keywords that are most important to to your brand or to your uh, to your business, uh, and then some social listening around finding out are there people talking about these these topics? Are there questions that that are going unanswered? Are there questions that are being answered uh, but just not being answered very well? Uh, are there does your does your business solve problems that these folks don't even know they have yet? Right, so um, you, you have to lay the foundation, and again, this is not more content, but more relevant content. How can you really put yourself in their shoes uh, and get to the core of what what content marketing is really all about? And that's about helping instead of selling. And in terms of that helping and really understanding the audience, how long does it generally take for people to really get that clear understanding of the needs of of their audience and the problems that they're that they're having? Well, I, I think you know it should always, it should be an ongoing thing, but it's as easy as jumping into LinkedIn or, or Twitter and finding these real time conversations, right? I mean, um, you know, some of the most successful content that I've found is that you know I market to marketers, so people say I have a unique case, but it, it works universally, right? If I have a problem and I solve it and I write about it. <laughs> That's the best kind of content that's out there because it's a real world problem uh, that you are documenting and you're writing uh, as you know very conversational, and then you're going to put it out there. Uh, it's one marketer to another, uh, or it's it's one problem solved by a person who has that problem, uh, you know, giving their answer to uh, to the rest of the world. And how do you then make judgments about the type of media that you should use to? communicate with that audience, be it a, a blog post or a video or a podcast or some graphics? How, how do you make those judgments? Well, I think it's important to, you know, you have to, you have to figure out where, where your audience is and, and what type of content they're consuming. Um, you know, we talk about 
I talk a lot about this this concept of the big rock, which is this very big substantial substantial piece of content, right? Like the you know sophisticated marketer's guide to LinkedIn or the de- definitive guides to marketing that we did at Marketo, and then you have to uh, make sure that this this piece of content you can slice and dice it into smaller pieces or whatnot. But you have to make sure that that you know that you have each piece of content optimized uh, for where your consumers choose to consume that, because the consumers are in control, right? We know that they're searching on topics, they're doing their own research before they're ready to talk to your salespeople. Um, so it's important to to be on SlideShare and have an audio podcast like we're on today, a webinar, a video, uh, an ebook that's optimized for Kindle. I mean, I think you should be everywhere. You know, we call it the I say I call it the bat out of hell approach, right? Like, like <laughs> for those about to create content, fire cannons, like ACDC would say. And 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 the point is, be everywhere. Uh, launch your content like a product, right? Uh, be everywhere, and then once you figure out what's where it's where it's really taken off, then you invest in scale. So that comes to that distribution piece. So getting it out there, getting it seen, getting it understood, it sounds to me like that's going to take a whole lot of time um, to, to try to do that. Is, is it a time-consuming exercise? I think if you if you have a hundred pieces of content you're trying to do it for, yeah, it can be it can be incredibly challenging, right? But if you have one core piece of content that you can perp- repurpose into several other pieces, you know, like one giant ebook, and then turn it into uh, you know a video, a webinar, a couple of blog posts, etc. These are like the little tentacles that all lead back to that big rock piece of content, that major piece of content. Um, and I think you know it's this rolling thunder approach. How much value can you get out of one piece of content? I, I see I see so many content marketers produce something really great, uh, and they they launch it and then they give up way too quickly, right? So you got to ask yourself, did I did you know what is the audience out there? How big is that audience? And and with you know the tools that are available to us um, through social advertising, native advertising, there's no question. Uh, and then compare it. Did has have you? Have you gotten the most out of every piece of content you have? Have you, have you, you know, really kind of? I don't want to say strangled because that sounds a little morbid, but have you have you squeezed all the juice out of that piece of content um, before you're you're giving up and moving on to something else? Yeah, that that's a really interesting point because I think people do publish and move on, create blog posts and move on and move on to the next thing without really taking best value i suppose of the archives that they that they tend to create but is there some risk though that people will think that you you've squeezed it a little bit too hard sometimes and that you're not creating enough new and interesting content that's giving more insights to people well i think there's a two-prong approach to this right so um, Doug Kessler from the Velocity Group has this, he calls it one home run per quarter, right? So the home run per quarter is your big rock, this big substantial piece of content you invest in, and then you chop it up into smaller pieces. But all along the way, you know, blogging, I call blogging the social media rug that ties the room together. It's the mothership. It's where all this stuff's going to launch from. It's where you, sh- you, you, you can't confuse um, your, your blog with your resource center. Your, your resource center is, is, is a library. It's indexable, right? But your blog is where you tell your story. It's got dates. It's got it's a flowing uh, a narrative of your of your story, right? So, I think you need to invest in that big rock, have that substantial piece of content that you're repurposing throughout the quarter, and then underneath that, as the foundation, you know, have your blog as, as your day to day story. Um, you know, you don't have to blog every single day. These, if you can, that's great. But you blog when you have something to say. You blog when you have something um, that you want to get out there. Or, or uh, but I think the two work together seamlessly, and, and that's that's kind of the core of the strategy. And again, it doesn't take it doesn't take a tremendous amount of time or effort. Uh, I think if you're not 
if you're not focused on on those two complementing one another, then you can get into trouble, and then you get in uh, over your head, and you got too many things going on. Yeah, it's I I really do like this idea of 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 the big rock. You know, this this notion of a of a big substantial central piece of content that really you know, carries the, you know, the weight of the story, particularly as our audience is in uh, government communicators. And if they're announcing a particular policy program or a change to a service or they want to update something, they can really, they are generally quite substantial big pieces of work that need to, to sit there. And it does take time to connect with citizens and to connect with stakeholders to explain what sometimes are quite complex uh uh, insights that they need to get through and that they need to uh-huh. distribute through people. So I think that this this notion of a big rock um, is 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 very useful for government communicators. So uh, what other tips would you have then if if a government communicator has produced a a really good solid piece of work and they've got it all chopped up into its different places and they've thought through how they're going to distribute it over the next um, three months, perhaps this this notion of distribution. How then should they go about trying to make sure that it finds its way to the right sort of audiences? Well, I, th- I think, you know, to take a quick step back and talk about the creation of the Big Rock, when you're, when you're creating this thing, like what I've found is, you know, th- there's this kind of this trend of, of thinking like a publisher, right? And, and that can only get you so far. So if you can move to actually publishing like a publisher uh, and think of what conversations you want to own, right? And then when you're creating your Big Rock, and, and this applies to, you know, government as well. Um, how can you write this big rock piece of content that, that's a quick read? It should be a quick read. Uh, it, it shouldn't be super text heavy. It should have lots of graphics and, and you know, pull on some charts and some rich media. Uh, and then, but, but think about writing it very strategically, like, right? Instead of inst- like, like an instruction manual, because what happens when you get an instruction manual, you throw it in the trash and you go to YouTube. We all know that. And then how do you bring in third party validation? How do you bring in some thought leaders, maybe some policymakers uh, with a quick, a couple, maybe a quote or two? Uh, along the way, or a quick interview from the experts. So again, this all-encompassing big rock, and then that that makes it so much easier to repurpose this with the interviews being pulled out as blog posts, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe uh, ten, you know, quotes from the ebook put into a slideshare presentation. But these are those. These are, this is how you get the most value out of one big rock piece of content. And then when you go to promote it. Again, um, you know, come out of the guns, come out of the gates, you know, guns blazing, and and uh, you know, we start off with the email. Um, which is certainly an essential part of this pl- this plan, and then we of course use you know LinkedIn marketing solutions, uh, the, the various tools there. But again, it's interesting to see uh, once you launch your big rock, email s- tends to be the big driver, uh, and then second, the following that very closely is the blog because you have this rolling thunder approach of these smaller pieces that you're repurposing on the blog, and then we see native advertising pick up uh, after that as well. So you go from emails number one to the blog is number one, and then sponsored updates. Uh, that's our core tool. Um, or native advertising, if you will, take over because it's this rolling thunder approach, right? And and you're constantly, it's always on. How can you always be on? Uh, so so you're always capturing, um, you're always in front of your audience, staying top of mind. I think that's that's the the key point here when you're when you're looking for distribution. Yeah, and in terms of that, how are you looking at at a month ahead, two months ahead, three months ahead? Once you've got your big rock in place. We, the way that we look at it uh, is, you know, the blog is the day-to-day, very uh, dynamic way we tell our story. We can react to trends in the industry. We can react to uh, just opinion pieces. Uh, if I have an idea tonight that comes to me in a dream, I can write about it tomorrow. 
that's the very fluid part. But we uh, we look at kind of these content arcs, if you will. So, and these arcs could be themes that run for a quarter up to you know up to two or three quarters, um, and then we kind of align the big rock with that uh, and align it to the blog as well, so that we have everything. Uh, every piece of content, every distribution strategy, every uh, you know, every content creator on our team driving towards this this kind of content arc theme. And in my case, in LinkedIn marketing solutions, it could be you know one could be content marketing, a little bit broad. Uh, one could be B two B marketing. One could be full funnel marketing. But we we kind of go after these uh, these content arcs to kind of keep a running theme. And it really drives. I mean, you can really own a conversation very quickly, and you can really make an impact with uh, with search results and and becoming an authority and a thought leader. Now that's we're, we're talking very much here about online creation and distribution of content, but content marketing obviously is is much bigger than that. You know, it does take in uh, offline channels such as events and uh, other activities. I think I tend to look at uh, uh, content. I throw PR into content marketing as well. I just see it as another offline channel, the way to do, to you know distribute your, your story to a particular audience. So, how how do you combine your your online and your offline activities so is that they're in harmony? You know, I, that's another great question. I think you you, you touched on. Thing that I think is even more important uh, to, to bring up really quick is is you know combining PR. Uh, it's interesting because there was a report that came out um, a few months ago, several months ago, and it said that uh, it said that PR was better than branded content, right? And then you see all these PR people kind of like they're celebrating, right? They they've won, they've won this battle, which is completely <laughs> the wrong way to think about things, yeah. right? Uh, I think it was a Nielsen report actually. Yeah. Um, so. You know, and, and it just goes to show like PR and content should be working together. And, and branded content right now is getting a bad name because we're still learning, right? We're, we're these businesses as publishers. We're st- we still got a lot to learn. We got a long ways to go, but we're getting better. Um, but, but PR should not be thinking of it uh, as a win for them because it's not. There's too much overlap, right? Uh, content can help PR and PR can help content. And there's a lot of overlap between uh, analysts and influencers and, uh, and who can make a difference. So those two need to be aligned a lot, a lot closer than they are today. Mm. Um, How are you going but- about trying to, to, to bridge that within LinkedIn? Have you got good alignment with the, the public relations and advertising areas in LinkedIn? And do they have visibility around what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I'm going to speak in an event, um, yeah, we, we, my PR department uh, absolutely knows about it. If we have a product launch, you know, we coordinate the content efforts with the PR pitches. And, um, you know, I mean, we can certainly help, you know, develop some content to put into these PR pitches, uh, these press releases that can, you know, take it a step further beyond the the traditional press release, which is, you know, may or may not be as effective as it used to be. So I think it's all about standing out and it's about, you know, the, the content, and the PR team uh, looking at this overlap and seeing how they can help one another, I, I think is incredibly important. There's some folks who are doing it uh, really well. It seems, you know, when I was at Marketo, I worked very closely with our, our PR team. In fact, we reported this to the CMO together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here at LinkedIn between offline, you know, uh, uh, between speaking events or, um, you know, just content initiatives or the arcs or the big rocks. We team up and, and everybody's on the same page with one another. I think I may have skipped over your question about, I, I just did a little political thing there. Where I skipped around the, uh, the question there about how do you combine offline and online? I'm happy. Yeah. To let's go back that. to that. Let's go. Back. But, no, but, but, but it is a very good point. You know, they, that, it, they're, they're one and the same. Like our particular agency, we used to be um, a public relations agency and we still do the public relations component, but we've just grafted on, 
you know, the content creation capability and distribution capability, and it all lives as one particular offering. So it's I, I don't get this sort of you know you know split between the two. But anyway, but yeah, like, so so how, how do you roll together your your online and offline in a strategic way to ensure that the audience and that real you know laser like focus on the needs and the and the problems of the audience are being solved to the best of your ability. <clears throat> yeah, I think you know. Um, of course, I do, I do quite a bit of speaking gigs, and uh, but that you know that kind of comes along with the content marketing. People, you know, if you create something remarkable in the content space that's incredibly relevant and helpful, uh, people are going to notice, and they're going to want you to share that with with them. So I think there's a great combination of of you know events. Um, I mean, you can you mentioned content marketing world, <clears throat> great place to uh, to go network and meet people. There's there's one thing I've learned, you know, at LinkedIn and throughout my career, is that everything I've gotten, from a personal branding standpoint to a business standpoint, has been based on solid relationships, right? Mm. And a quality network. So if you don't have that in place, if you're not constantly building that, if you don't have an audience to share your content with uh, or community, I mean, that's just, this is where it all comes together. So it's an ongoing process, and it doesn't have to be an enormous community, but it has to be there, and you have to uh, put some work into. You know, relationship building and networking, and what better way to do that than than sharing really good, helpful, relevant content? Yeah, what's your views on automation? Uh, <laughs> you know, working at Marketo for two years uh, as as we were, you know one of the leading marketing automation platforms, uh, what I found out there is that you know I think people confuse automation with you know how we used to broadcast with twitter and do these auto replies and bots and all this crap right yeah. and what i think is important to understand is is if you want to scale if you want to if if you have to if you're looking to scale your your content efforts and deliver this uh, deliver content on a scale. It's personalized, dynamic content. You're going to need technology, right? And you're going to need marketing automation. So marketing automation uh, when used right it actually accelerates the personalization of this content and accelerates the scale, and it helps you, um, you know, pull out the the best, most relevant leads that are coming in from your content based on lead scoring, based on nurturing. Uh, so, marketing automation is 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 key to the platform. So, you know, content SEO, uh, PR. Um, social demand and all this, all these folks working together. That's the that's the modern day marketing engine. I think that's what's going to be important moving forward. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you that there's a need, and particularly you know globally focused businesses like I'm speaking to you today from you know Canberra, Australia, and if we want to distribute content at the right time of the day in North America or the Northern Hemisphere, you know I'm not going to be sitting up at you know three o'clock in the morning trying to post whatever that content is. So I think there's roles in, in certainly automation. I think it's got a, a major role in terms of ensuring that you, your distribution is right and that you're getting your message you know, to the right audiences at, at the right time. Absolutely. So um, measurement and evaluation, obviously another key part of uh, content marketing. What are, what's your view around measurement and evaluation and what, what measures do you use when you have to go upstairs and justify yourself to the people who sit upstairs, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think I think people tend to overcomplicate this process of measuring. Um, it's certainly a hot topic. The, the ROI of social media was a hot topic, and I hope we finally put that to bed, right? But um, when I worked at Marketo, I reported to John Miller, who's a co-founder, and, and no relation. Uh, John will be the first to tell you that, <laughs> not me. But um, you know, John, the cool thing and why I learned so much at Marketo. Was because um, you know John told me he said, "Look, man, he goes, you can do whatever you want, 
you can we got budget. Um, you can create whatever type of content that you that you like to for the top of the funnel. But you have to be able to track this all to a metric that that matters. So you know the ultimate mat the ultimate metric was pipeline and 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 MQLs coming in. So and we did that through source tracking all the content, all the links. We figured out which channels were working. But you know uh, it ultimately comes down to you know, gating that big rock piece of content and driving MQLs through that. That's that's the the easy way to look at it. But there were three other metrics that we looked at uh, that I that I carried over here to LinkedIn that I look at or that that I that I monitor very closely, and I would bring into a CMO and and prove to them that my content's working. Right. So the number one would be uh, referral traffic, but more specifically, non-branded keyword referral traffic. So it's basically traffic coming to your site. Uh, from people who are not typing in your brand name into the search engine, right? So where are they coming from? Uh, well, they have to be coming from your own good content. Uh, and then number two is 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 uh, you know engagement, which is a little bit more tricky to measure. But if you think about it like this, uh, you know, I think it's just a matter of time before the search engines admit admit that these social signals are playing a role in rankings. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, the social shares are, are a sign of relevance, right? So. Uh, but don't I always say don't let your ego hijack your content strategy, right? Is it if you have ten shares on LinkedIn as opposed to some another piece of content that has a hundred shares, it doesn't matter what how many how many the number of shares per se. It matters on who's sharing that. So you know I gladly take uh, ten shares from ten CMOs that I'm trying to target over a hundred practitioners that don't really matter to that piece of content in particular. Uh, so again, you know engagement as a sign of content relevance would be the second one, and then number three, finally, you know. The, the the higher quality leads are people coming into your into your funnel to your website and are they um, are they buying quicker are they more are they further down the funnel are they closing quicker uh, into these deals so that's uh, that's kind of how I view it but I think you can apply those to pretty much in any industry uh, and and have success with it hmm. how complicated is the system that you've got to actually track those and be able to to draw those insights out of out of your traffic. You know, it, it's it's really not that complicated. It's it's you know, it's landing pages, it's uh, it's email marketing, it's it's um, you know, LinkedIn, the platform itself, and then the back end metrics that we have available. So, uh, a combination of I mean, it's funny. I, I worked at Marketo, and now I, I, we use Eloqua here. But you know, I'm, whatever works, right? <laughs> so, but a combination of marketing automation. Um, you know, email marketing and uh, and then social media marketing teamed up with with uh, SEO to optimize it all. Uh, demand gen to help us with our webinars and um, you know tell us what content's working around our, our bigger campaigns and then align it with PR. But uh, I think all that working together, that's kind of that's kind of how we we uh, we look at it here. Okay. And your team, how what sort of a team have you got there that is putting all of this together? And do do you work with outside agencies as well to help you with with the creation of the content? We do, and it, that's a, that's a really good point to bring up because people think, oh, but you're LinkedIn, and it's like, well, not, uh, yeah, well of course I work at LinkedIn, but there's LinkedIn, and then there's LinkedIn talent solutions, there's LinkedIn sales solutions, and then there's LinkedIn marketing solutions. We're kind of the new kid on the block, if you will, right? We're telling the story of the marketer on LinkedIn, which is an important story, but it, it it's been taken it's taken a lot of work to convince folks that there's so much more than just you know a job seeker platform here, um, so. Uh, again, I think when I first started, it was just two people on the team, and now we have we split out to I think there, there's actually four people on my team, and then we have different content verticals as well, uh, focusing on developing content uh, specifically for those verticals. But it's interesting; we do use several outside vendors um, because, again, I mean, you, you don't need to go with this al- alone. Uh, so we have one one vendor that does creative and concept extremely well called Scorch. Uh, 
we have another vendor that does light SEO and then um, a couple of a couple of riders on board. But I think you know you pull out together. You don't have to go at this alone, and you certainly do need help. Um, so once you find find a good you know agency to align with your needs, and um, I mean that's the, you certainly can't go at this alone with the, with a small marketing team. You're definitely going to need help uh, from mm. the outside. And do you have any tips as to how people can best? Uh, arrange those relationships and manage those relationships so that they get the, the the outcomes that they're looking for. Yeah, you know that's man, that's a, re- a really good questions today. By the way, uh, and I think this is one of the most important things that I've learned is that when you manage all these these different things from SEO to demand gen to your outside agencies and creative and whatnot, uh, you know, I always say I was I call it the hybrid marketer, right? So. Uh, you don't have to be necess- you don't necessarily have to be an expert in any one thing as a marketer anymore, but you do have to know and understand how all these different you know parts work together, how these moving parts work together. So if you are talking to an agency about SEO, that you can understand, you know, to, that they know what they're talking about and drive the value and and make it work with the rest of this uh, this content engine, if you will. Uh, so again, I, I, am I an expert in in demand generation? Um, no, but I understand how. You know, demand generation plays a role, and I understand how content feeds demand generation and social supports, it, et cetera. Am I, uh, you know, am I an expert in SEO? No, but I understand how the web serves up my content and how rankings are affected by content and social. So again, um, I think it's uh, you know, it's time to become this 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 uh, hybrid marketer that that really just understands lots of different things and how these pieces fit together to build this content engine. Uh, and again, it doesn't have to be an engine that pumps out a tremendous amount of content, but it needs to be an engine that pumps out uh, extremely relevant content and then um, you know, targets the audience effectively and then measures uh, effectively and, and continues to optimize and scale. Just returning to that point around the audience, because I think this is, this is something I really want to get through to the, to the government communication audience, is that really it's, it's about the audience. It's not about what you as government want to, want to say. It's about... What do they? What does the audience need to need to know? And what problems have they got? And how can you be there as part of the solution in creating those content? So, is, is are there any other tools that you you would uh, perhaps offer some guidance around or preference towards in that sort of keyword research, social listening, some of those areas that can really draw out those insights? You know. Um when 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 Google took away their keyword tool, their keyword research tool, that was that was a pretty big hit because they used to that used to be the ultimate tool, right? You could drop your keywords in, you could see the the competition, you could see the search volume was pretty easy. But uh, there's a couple little workarounds. There's a cool, there's a nice little tool called um, Uber Suggest, which is which basically scrapes Google's auto suggest. And uh, so if you type in you know, a keyword phrase, it will come up with a bunch of suggestions for you to create topics around. So I think that's incredibly helpful. And again, I mean, it's as simple as, as getting into, you know, LinkedIn and, and maybe, you know, in the news feed, you know, checking out your connections, uh, see what they're posting, um, your prospects or whatnot, uh, jump into some groups and see what the volume of conversation is around there, or just, you know, searching in Twitter around some keywords. I think it's, the, the data is all out there. Um, I, I think, you know, I call it the lazy marketer syndrome. If you're just sitting there and you're guessing at what you think your audience wants, there's no more guesswork. It's all out there. It's all just a matter of pulling it together um, and then finding the, the, the conversations that you can add to and be helpful and, and you know, make a difference. And again, um, you know, you should always ask yourself, should I create this, this damn piece of content or not? Uh, and if you do, make sure that you uh, do it the best you can. Yeah. Listen, just before we do um, wind it up, I'm, I'm really interested in, in 
in LinkedIn and the way LinkedIn's gone about its business of, of creating content. And I know from our own experience that we find the engagement on LinkedIn to be far more powerful than, well, every other platform, to be, to be perfectly frank. Wh- why do you think that is? And, and what's, what's the plan? Uh, and, and what's the appeal, do you think, to people of being engaged and involved on, on LinkedIn? Well, I think you know. There's a couple ways you can look at this. Um, number one is our, we, you know, we found a couple of years ago when I first started, we were making this content push that our members were were looking for. They wanted to, cons- they were really interested in unique content uh, in this professional mindset, right? So uh, I think of it as you know, some folks like spend time on the other social networks, but they invest time when they're on LinkedIn, mm. right? Because they're they are they are there to become better at what they do, become inspired. Or connect with others uh, who are, you know, um, other professionals who can, um, who can help them out. So again, it's it's you know, with the influencers program is is where we kind of started with this, uh, with with creating unique, um, relevant content and then putting in feeding it feeding it into the platform into Pulse, our, our news aggregator. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been tremendous so far. Just the engagement on the content and just the sharing, and uh, there's always some great conversations happening. It's incredibly, uh, it's a professional mindset, so it's much different than than the other social networks. And then also, you know, we opened up the publishing platform to to all members now. So now you can publish long form content on LinkedIn, share it with your network, and uh, keep the conversation going there. Uh, you know, from a company standpoint. The company page is, is your, you know, if, if you don't have a company page, I think you're simply missing opportunities. It's free to set up. It's uh, it's your hub for thought leadership and content distribution on LinkedIn. Uh, it's it's search it's indexed by the search engines. It's another you know spot on uh, on page one many times, and uh, it's where you can share your content, your own content. You can curate content from other thought leaders in the space. Uh, and then turn on sponsored updates if you want to ex- expand upon that audience. But there's so many opportunities. SlideShare is another one that I think is terribly underutilized for the B2B audience specifically. Um, but yeah, I think there's so many different opportunities. And, and the members on LinkedIn are just are really interested in, in consuming content in this professional mindset. Mm. Just a final question. Looking ahead 12 months, where do, where do you think things are going to be? Uh, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, I, I think, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's time for, uh, for everyone to be, you know, very serious about mobile, um, and make sure that this, uh, this, that the content marketing experience is optimized between the three screens, right? So, uh, from desktop to mobile to tablet, we call it from coffee to couch, uh, here at LinkedIn because it, it's, it's interesting to see the traffic that comes in. Uh, you know, it, it's the traffic comes in uh, all three. When you when we look at traffic on LinkedIn, we see the um, all three devices kind of spike in the morning, and we see desktop kind of peak in the uh, during the day as it should because we're at work, and then we see tablet peak at night because you're on your couch watching television, or whatever. But all throughout that day, what's constant is the mobile device. Um, so I think a focus on mobile and just making sure that your content is optimized for mobile and, and um, across those three screens, and and uh, I think that's where it's all heading, in my opinion. Fantastic. Well, Jason, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Um, really enjoyed the conversation. And as I say, you, you, know, you, you are a, a keynote highlight of uh, content marketing world each year. But where else can people follow you and get the insights from Jason Miller and, and continue to, to understand a little bit more about your processes and, and your understanding of content marketing? 
Sure. So, um, so the book that I just put out is, is uh, Welcome to the Funnel. It's a sh- quick, short, quick read, welcometothefunnel.com. It's pretty much everything I know about content and social written from you know, the practitioner. This is not, um, this is not like a, a theoretical approach. This is from in the trenches. Everything in there works, I promise you. Uh, and I'm Jason Miller CA on Twitter. And if you search Jason Miller LinkedIn on LinkedIn, just put a note in there where you heard me at, and uh, I'm happy to connect with you. Fantastic. Well, Jason, thanks again, my friend, and uh, all the best, and and have a great day. Excellent. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. For more, visit us at intransitionpodcast.com.au. 